Survivor chronicles the lives of 20 strangers stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days, one survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey, months and months of surviving a grueling casting process, weeks and weeks of preparation for the game, days and days on lockdown, and the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game, all for only three days of actual playtime. This season, someone else will become a first one out of sorts. The first one out to Ghost Island, the graveyard of bad survivor decisions, birthed from the ruins of nearly 20 years of broken dreams. This castaway's name will forever be etched in survivor history as Ghost Island's first guest. But in truth, another person was swinging from the monkey bars of this spooky playground before anyone else. This podcast series is the story of finding the season's first sacrifice to the fearsome survivor gods. It is also the story of an idiot and a moron. This is First One Out, and I am Ghost Zero. Survivor, Season 36, Day 1. I suspect she was some kind of high-level athlete at some point. I think he's gonna be a lot like Ozzy. He looks like a like a personal trainer, or something within that realm. Oh God, he's another one, a juice head. That guy seems strategically set, strong. She seems very smart. Um, she seems very aware. He seems like a really nice guy. Um, super smart. I think he seems really smart and very calculated. So I think he'll be a good strategic player. I'll let him do all my puzzles because he seems to be firing puzzles out left and right. She's going to get voted off early just because she can't do the challenges physically. The Ghost Islanders have been sizing each other up for days by the time the game begins. Weeks even. Maybe even months in the case of the players who went through casting together. The wordless interactions and snap judgments all come to a head as the Malolo and Naviti tribes roll up to the beach on opening day, and a new clock starts ticking away. The final buzzer sounds on night 39, but there's an even more time-sensitive task at hand, the opening challenge. Minutes into the game, both tribes are faced with their first decision as a group, selecting a leader. Whoever is selected must then in turn choose two champions from their tribe a wizard and a warrior, as a certain dragon slayer might describe them. The warrior must run an obstacle course. The wizard must solve a puzzle. The winning tribe earns a shelter-building kit, a huge boon given the meager resources supplied to the castaways at the start of the game. One pot, one machete, a small store of rice, and fishing gear to increase the food supply. The losing tribe loses that fishing gear unless they cut the loss at the pass. At the start of the puzzle portion of the challenge, an hourglass is turned, and as sand pours from one end to the other, the leader has a choice. See the challenge through, and risk losing a huge asset for survival, 
or throw in the towel for the sake of self-preservation. If the leader chooses to forfeit, their tribe's fishing gear will remain intact, but the rival tribe will earn the shelter-building kit, as well as an added bonus of eggs for nourishment and flint for fire. So what do you do if you're in charge? Risk it all for a big win, or play it safe at the expense of boosting your enemy's morale, not to mention harming your own? Better think fast, because time's a ticking. And better choose wisely, because one bad decision can haunt you forever. The note on their rice is pretty clear. It will cost you. I think that he's the answer to my mom's prayers. I think she's attracted to me. Oh, are you saying Malcolm's fat? Her legs are incredible. She's going to be super powerful. Pray to God that she's on my team. I like her. She reminds me in some ways of Kim, who won one world. I think she's a little sneaky one, you know? First time I saw him, he, like, grabbed my arm, like, very, yeah, very flirtatious. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. This is First One Out, Ghost Zero. Chapter 6, Time Fades Away. One bad decision can haunt you forever. The words may as well be written in explosive neon letters, Dirk Diggler style, on the sign at Ghost Island. They loom large over the inhabitants of the spooky playground, as I know all too well. And what's more, they loom large over the season overall. According to Jeff Probst and other members of the Survivor team, one of the creative goals this season is to place players on forks in the road, where both paths could very well lead toward disaster, and no one course is more certain than the other. Case in point, the opening challenge. And by extension, what's at stake in the challenge and how that impacts the greater game. This season, much like most seasons, players will begin the game with food rations in the form of rice. Unlike most seasons, the rice supply is extremely limited right from the jump, a decision designed to bring survivors' survival element into sharper focus. We're constantly looking at the show, and I'm always trying to examine where is the society element of it because we, I don't want to ever lose the society even though the game is definitely dominating they are still living together building a shelter making fire and it has bothered me for quite some time that they can just get by without catching any fish or really working that hard and so the idea is okay let's cut their rice in half and to be clear that means we're cutting the minimum amount of rice our medical team was comfortable with giving them in half knowing that they're going to have to go find coconuts, which there are plenty, but it takes work. And you can only eat so much coconut meat before you become a coconut, or they're gonna have to get out in the water. So we gave them a really big fishing kit, and there's a lot of fish. People have been catching fish here in Fiji on Survivor every season. And the dilemma is going to be, if you do have somebody like Sebastian, and he is out there catching fish, and you wanna vote him out, what do you do? And I like that, not trying to give it uh, Sebastian an advantage, but trying to expand the definition of advantage or, or 
necessity. You can't get rid of somebody who's really good at challenges as a tribe because you need him. Well, you shouldn't be able to get rid of somebody who's good as a fishing person either, nor a fire starter, nor the shelter builder. At least not without consequence. Without, exactly. So if you do run out of rice and you don't have any fish and you don't have any coconuts and you call me asking for more, the note on their rice is pretty clear. It will cost you. Probst puts it out there himself. The reduced rice, coupled with the really big fishing kit, could wind up benefiting one player in particular. Sebastian Noel, who I've been calling Sebastian Noel because I am a secret Felicity fan. Apologies for the mispronunciation. No apologies for the Scott Foley loyalty. Team Noel for life. Though I do appreciate the way Scott Speedman says anything. I digress. Sebastian is a professional fishing guide from Florida. He lives his best life out in the ocean, bringing in the exact kind of bounty his tribe mates are going to be hungry for in the days ahead. As he describes himself... Sebastian has a lot of look to him, and those looks have not gone unnoticed by the other players in the game. Oh, God. <laughs> he looks like he's been playing out here for half a year already. <laughs> That's the twist this season. Right? Yeah. They just, like, stranded somebody here a year exactly. ago. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, he may have a leg up. Um, certainly, you know, on a lot of us, he looks like a surfer dude. He, you know, probably spends a lot of time outside in his daily life, and, and I think that, you know, whichever tribe he's on athletically and just, um, you know, outdoor skill wise I think he'll be a great asset. My parents are very religious and my mom has been praying this whole time since she thought I was going to be on the show I've been praying Kellen that someone will be there that can catch fish I think that he's the answer to my mom's prayers. Good god he was sniffing a sharpie at the airport that's all I need to say <laughs> that told you a lot I told me everything I needed to know. Use the cliche no offense to you, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure this guy... I, I think I can guess everything about this guy's life, to be honest. He probably sells surfboards on some beach in California. He got the one dread while he was in Jamaica and decided to never get rid of it. Uh, the guy has a tan that looks like it's burned through his body, but then just came back anyway. And he, I don't know. he is Captain Jack Sparrow, or a fish, a creature out of the water. He looks like a creature out of the water. He has a fish tattoo on his ankle. He has fish on his um, sandals. That man, I would like to work with him. I, I just want to know who the hell this guy is. Uh, I've been looking at him like, you really look like an exotic fish. Wendell is more spot on than he could ever imagine with that Captain Jack Sparrow call out. I'll let Sebastian tell you about his pirate origin story for himself after these thoughts from Probst. I love Sebastian. I think he's going to be a kid favorite. I hope he is. I hope we're right about him. He's got a bit of a... Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High attitude about him, which is like, ah, oh, dude, it's all good. I'm going to get out in that ocean and catch some fish, and I'm going to rock the fish. The question for Sebastian is, is there more to his game? He's a young guy. If he gets with the right people, maybe his vibe really works. If he ends up with maybe a little older people, I don't know. I'm Josh. Josh, I'm Sebastian. Nice to meet you, man. Me too, bro. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm tired right now, but it stoked is, in the it line is early, general. you know? <laughs> I mean, they, they get... wake us up at 3.30. I know. You know, you belong to them for now. Yeah. At least. At least for now. At least for now. All right, so <laughs> tell me who you are and what you're doing out here. All right, I'm Sebastian Noel, and I'm here to become the sole survivor. What's your attraction to Survivor? Tell me about what about this speaks to you. Sebastian. <sighs> Not Sebastian. Survivor is like my life in a game show, pretty much. Um, what I do in life 
perfectly replicates this game in every way. Like, uh, it just brings out the inner me, and that's why I'm here, I think. I, I really don't know why I'm here yet, but I think I'm gonna find that out soon. So tell me about what your life is like outside of this. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm a professional fisherman, and uh, I work on charter boats down in Florida, and we take out people who wanna go catch game fish, and, and part of my job is to make friends uh, with random people in the morning. And um, I don't know them at all, and I have to kind of judge them and, and be their best friend in order to make my money at the end of the day, because that's how I make my money is in tips. So it relates greatly to this game and how I have to, you know, become someone's foe or friend and make money at the end. In a way. What happens when somebody gets on your boat and they're just like a douche and you're just like nope We're not we're not clicking. It's yeah. not working out. Like how do you how do you play for tips with that guy? Well, you know that happens a lot, but there's also five other people on the boat that you can relate to but Usually you just shun them off and, and give them a rod that has a big old grouper or amberjack or mahi-mahi and He generally becomes your friend at the end of the day. Yeah <laughs> So what brought you into that lifestyle? Um, my dad was a captain. He was a charter boat captain. He had a series or a fleet of boats um, back in the 80s and and then he had a bait and tackle store along with the boats in the 90s and He used to bring me into the store and so I always grew up We were a very water-oriented family big surfers and, and fishermen um, And so I've always been around the water and that's what drew me into this this job which yeah. is like the best job for me i work in my board shorts you know it's like the best hard, job to, hard to complain <laughs> heck yeah so this is this is your world this is my home man I, it's so like relatable i feel perfectly at home here you know you feel super comfortable yeah like the outdoor stuff is not even a slight concern for oh you oh my god no dude like if, I, if it wasn't the morning i'd be shirtless you know it's just <laughs> like i'm so comfortable in this environment that's cool. Yeah. Um, so what about um, Survivor, the the show, the game? Are you a fan? Like, is it something that's new for you? No, I've been uh, watching the show since day one. Um, I probably missed maybe five or six seasons, like the 20s, like later 20 uh, seasons, just because I was busy in high school. I played sports. I played football. Yeah. And I just didn't watch it. You know, I watched 20 seasons. I was like, well, you know, I get the show. I love the show, but I just don't have time to watch. But... When Survivor um, open casting came to, not kidding, two docks over from where I work, I said, well, shit, man, I've been watching this forever. Might as well give it a shot, right? They were doing casting at, at a dock? They did it at the casino boat, which okay. is two docks over from... Survivor at sea. Yeah, and I saw the flyer actually on the bait and tackle store that we stop at and get fuel every morning. I said, this is too ironic. I mean, I used to be the biggest fan ever, and... Why not try out, right? Yeah. Now so, look at me. So who are your who are some of your favorite players? <laughs> All-time favorite has to be Rupert. I mean, he was just that gnarly original dude that was just like, whoa, what's this guy? You know, with the mud dripping from the beard. And recently, I mean, I, I'm very comparable to Ozzy. Um, my grandma says I look like Joe. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think my all-around social player has to be Jay. So I... Those four people are my all-time faves. I love that you love Rupert. Are yeah. you into the pirate thing? Oh yeah, uh, I dress up as uh, <laughs> I dress up as Jack Sparrow uh, at least twice a year since since ninth grade. And I go to Gasparilla in Tampa, which is the biggest pirate festival in the in the world, I think. And that's like my 
my mainstay is dressing up as Jack Sparrow, so I'm big into pirates, yeah. Too bad they couldn't let you bring a costume out here. That would have been... Or I could have just worn it. <laughs> that could have been your game clothes. They can't send me home. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of that, though, is, like, is that kind of, you know, that pirate style, like, is that something that you'd apply to the game Lie, Cheat, and Steal? Like, what is your code of ethics entering Survivor, basically? Yes, but I'm going to be a quiet pirate, you know? I can still shiver the booty, but... I don't think I'm going to go out and raid and pillage, you know, on the first day. But um, I'm, I'm kind of... You're not stealing the other tribe's shoes right exactly. off their boat. That's stupid, you know. Uh, I'll be that, that kind of Canevious pirate where I, I look around and observe, kind of like Jack Sparrow does. He's kind of that... He's not that out in the open, I'm going to, you know, slice your guts open. But that kind of observatory pirate, I guess. Yeah. Tell me about uh, your first day in the game, if it goes perfectly. Like, you get your boots on the ground, you're out there, the game has started. That first day goes totally your way. How did that day go? The first day is going to go perfectly if I make an alliance with at least one strong friend. I just need, I've seen too many episodes where you can take a, a great partnership all the way to the end. And you don't have to work with them the entire time. I mean, you can switch tribes and still be close. But I think as long as you have a mainstay and uh, a couple other, you know, close friends along the way, I think you can make it pretty far as long as you're you're socially active. You want to ride or die. Yeah, I yeah. do. Um, what do you think about idols, advantages, all that stuff? Are your eyes open or is that a crucial part of your game? Heck yeah. See, that's where, like, noticing the small things comes into play with me because... I can like, I'll notice a piece of sand on someone's earlobe for three hours, you know, why is that, th you know, I can see little things, I, I'm very good at that, so I think finding idols is going to be a, a, a nice part of my game, yeah. What do you think of the cast so far? It's very broad, you know, all the dudes look pretty, pretty, you know, well built, the girls, I don't know about half the girls, but the other half look like a pretty tight knit so far, um, I'm pretty stoked, you know, I'm the only one like me, I think. But um, hopefully they'll like to blend with people like me. What's the best advice you received before you came out here? <laughs> the best or the most advice I've received? <laughs> well, what's the most advice you received? Stay away from the ladies. That's what everyone, my grandma, my mom, my sister. But that's not why I'm here. Um, the best advice came from my aunt um, in New Mexico. She sent me a random text. You know, when you get on Survivor, people, <laughs> weird cousins from New Zealand text you, you know. And How many weird cousins in New Zealand do you Zero, have? but okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> sure. <laughs> couple hobbits down there. Yeah. No, um, she said, you need to play the quiet fisherman role. And I have no problem doing that. Like, I, I can provide, like, my favorite thing in life to do is spearfish. And Jeff Probst, when he talked to me personally, he said, you have the chance to be the best spear fisherman or fisherman or waterman this show's ever seen. And I'm serious. And I took that to heart. And I feel like... I feel like if I can do that and, you know, make, I'm very social because of my job. If I can just quietly, even though I got a lot of look to me, if I can quietly stay behind the scenes and just kick it up a notch past Ozzy and make it past ninth place like yeah. he does every year, <laughs> I think I'll do all right. There's the best advice Sebastian received before coming out to Survivor, and then there's the most advice he received before coming out to Survivor. Let's focus on the most, that he needs to stay away from the ladies, according to his grandmother, his mother, and his sister. 
According to some of the Ghost Islanders, Sebastian might already be throwing those words of caution to the wind. That guy's something else. I think he had a little tiny crush on me. Okay. Lingered around me a lot, and I would move just to test it out and see if it was me or just thinking in my brain. Um, Sat at a table. Eventually, he worked his way to the table. Went to, like, the chairs over on the other side. Somehow, he was walking around. So, I mean, I sense that he's probably... Maybe I'm eye candy. Oh, he's. I feel like when our hair like first saw each other, like my hair saw his hair, it was like soulmates. <laughs> the hair's like, the hair's in an alliance at the very yes, least. Our hair is like they're like spirit animals, and so our hair's in an alliance, and that's like just unbreakable. Big smile. That's my for crush. the record. That's my crush. That's your crush. That's my crush. The man bun. It's hard to resist. It's oh my god, that's like that's my crush. Like everything. Like I can't. I can't even look at him. Why? I don't know. It's the man bun, I think. I think, and that's not like I'm from Detroit. Like man buns, they aren't. Can, in, they haven't made it to Detroit surfers yet. Surfers do not look like that in Detroit. Okay, so I think, especially being on an island, it's like, yes, absolutely yes. So, I mean, we've already like flirted a little bit. We kind of how like, we like wink at each other. He's one that I could definitely see getting in a romance on the show. He's going to use his looks to get to these girls, and I ain't going to be one of the girls, you know? But you're going to see him do that, But I'm going to see it, yes. For his part, sounds like Sebastian wants to see it, too. Who knows if he's really following Gonzalez all over Ponderosa, but he definitely has his eye on her. Another interesting one. Very uh, particular tattoo. She's got a compass. She's got Roman numerals on her spine. Um, she's got a butterfly underneath her ear, I think. And so she might be very spiritual. Um, I work well with spiritual people. My mom is very spiritual. And uh, I think we could work well together, but she doesn't look very talkative. As for Sebastian being Jenna Bowman's crush, good news for you, Jenna. Immediate attraction. Um, She gets me and I get her. Um, I feel like we could work well as far as we can go without trying to be... (laughs) flirtatious yeah is that gonna be hard (laughs) i mean i'm not here to you know fall in love or anything like that but the attractions there for both of us i can already tell and uh it's just gonna be hard to not show that sebastian feels the eyes of several other castaways even if he's not exactly eager to return the gaze i think she's attracted to me um but i don't know if i could well i'm gonna work with the people that i can tell are attracted to me physically because you always want someone that likes you on your side, right? You feel like that gives you a little bit of power? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a Fabio or anything, but if you can have someone that already likes you just from the looks, and you can tell that, definitely keep them on your side. That's Sebastian's take on marine animal trader Morgan Ricky, who steps into my jungle office rather quickly after Sebastian leaves. Like, immediately after Sebastian leaves. For what it's worth doesn't sound to me like Sebastian is exactly the moon of Morgan's life. I said mini Malcolm to someone else and they're like, oh, are you saying Malcolm's fat? I'm like, no, (laughs) Malcolm is like super buff and super strong and like that guy's like a mini version of him. He's like scrawnier. He still has a six pack, but he's just not as like big. He's like scaled down Malcolm. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. I get it. I can pick that up. Let's not go too far down the mini Malcolm rabbit hole. Regardless of how they feel about one another, Morgan and Sebastian have a few things in common. They both work in the water, for one, and both deal with the life aquatic for a living. They're both based in Florida as well, 
and they both wound up on Survivor after attending the same casting call on Cape Canaveral. Now, Morgan and Sebastian are on the same tribe together, swimming in the waters of Naviti Beach. Speaking of swimming, Morgan's comfort in that arena has already pinged on the radar for a few of the castaways. If I had to guess a sport for her, it would be crew. Like, she's tall, she's definitely fit, has like long arms and stuff, which like helps her crew. So maybe like lightweight crew or something like that. But she obviously, you know, works out. Oh, she's a swimmer. Okay. Definitely a swimmer. She's got a swimmer's body. Her legs are incredible. She's going to be super powerful. Pray to God that she's on my team. You know, I think that she's going to be pretty good in challenges as well. Um, she's got like ripped shoulders. Okay. I think she might be a swimmer. I should pay attention to the shoulders. I think she might be a swimmer okay. or something because she's got really good shoulders. So I think I like shoulders. That's why I point it out. <laughs> So you're into the shoulders. I, I just admire them because I'm always trying to get my shoulders better. And I'm like, oh, she's got great shoulders. But um, I think she's going to be really good. She seems like she has kind of like a swimmer's build. So I think she'll be good with those physical challenges that are in the water. Cool. Um, and she seems like a nice girl, too. I like her. She seems very athletic. Um, she's got a great body and I feel like she's in great shape. So I'm hoping that we can kind of vibe as athletic girls and get along well together. She is one that I have to look out for. I know she's going to be a physically strong competitor. She's like kind of brolic, so I have to watch out for her physically. She may need to go ahead of the merge, like way ahead of the merge. Desiree isn't the only person who looks out at it, Morgan and sees danger, though not necessarily because Morgan is being viewed as a threat. Quite the opposite in a few cases. She wears her expressions on her face. Um, I feel like she's she's a bit transparent. I think her motivations for uh, being out here are obviously different than mine. Um, she definitely comes from, and it appears that she comes from an upper middle class. She, she came in carrying um, very expensive designer bags and very aware of her looks. Um, so I think that can hinder her. I think she's going to be more self-aware versus situational awareness. Yeah. So I, that could hinder my game if I do try to connect or align with her because I need somebody that's going to be focused on their game, not so much focused on themselves. Yeah. I'm not sure how her social game will be. Uh, so I think just, I, I honestly think so, the social aspect is the biggest aspect of them all in this game. I really do. Cause if you're good socially, then you should be, um, good to be strategic socially. If you're not good socially, you're not going to be good strategic. Like, let's be real. Um, and anyone can be athletic and get ousted. So I, I just don't think her social game is going to be up to par. I think she'll be one of the first women eliminated, even though she's, probably going to be pretty good for whatever tribe in the challenges. Anyone underestimating Morgan Ricky does so at their own peril. A clear physical threat, Morgan is also a gamer, or at the very least, she's spent hours upon hours upon hours studying the show, having never missed an episode, according to her own testimony. Unlike Ashley Nolan, Morgan Ricky has found her thing, and that thing is Survivor. My interview with Morgan, coming next, right after these words from Probst. Morgan, we almost put on last season, but we didn't really feel like she fit the theme. The only tribe we could sort of consider was Hustler, and it just didn't feel right. And so we just waited, and fortunately, she was able to get time off and play this time. So we obviously like her. I like her. She reminds me in some ways of Kim, who won One World. I don't know if she's as good a social players her but just her attitude toward life and she's physically fit and she seems to have a really big spirit about her i don't know if she can win 
Haven't seen it yet. Instead of like whatever time it is in the morning yeah, right now. Know. Yeah, I don't either actually. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know that time really exists out here. Uh, no. You know, I think that time kind of just fades away. It does. Um, all right, so who are you and what are you doing out here? I am Morgan Ricky. I am an animal trainer and I am out here for a challenge of a lifetime. Are you a big Survivor fan? Yes, I have never missed an episode of Survivor ever. It's your thing. It's my thing, it's our family thing. Every Wednesday night, you know, I'm one of five kids in my family, so uh, my parents, all of us got together, sat on the couch and watched Survivor. And now, we all live in different places all over the country, but we text about it. <laughs> so you guys keep in touch over Survivor? We do, we yeah. definitely do. How do you guys feel about uh, the last season? What was the, what was the verdict in the Ricky house? It was awesome. I mean, we all had our different people that we wanted to win and Who did why. You want? Uh, when it got down to the final people that were left, I was totally for Sarah, but I was a big Michaela fan. Yeah. I loved her personality. She was just real and I loved it. So I was a Michaela fan all the way. Yeah. So what is it about Survivor that resonates with you? I've been an athlete my entire life. I'm also an adrenaline junkie. You know, I like the skydiving. I was a diver in college. So um, just the challenge of it, but it's not just a physical challenge. I mean, you have the social challenge, you have the mental aspect of it, which is probably the most interesting to me yeah. is how people handle the game mentally. And how do you feel you're gonna handle the game mentally? Hopefully super well. I think in this game you have to adapt, so you can't necessarily go in with a plan and stick to it. It's kind of like survival of the fittest. You have to adapt to everything that's changing around you. So. so animal trainer, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm an animal trainer. I work with currently killer whales and pilot whales, but I've worked with sea lions, otters, dolphins, blue whales, pilot whales. I've kind of done it all. So. It's the most amazing job I get to take care of and spoil all the animals I work with and share it with our thousands of guests that come all the time. Just the education part and the just inspiring young kids, whether it's whatever they want to do, not necessarily be an animal trainer, but I'm an example that dreams can come true. So. How did you get into this? I saw killer whales for the first time when I was four years old and I was mesmerized. I mean, I was awestruck and I was like, that's what I want to do. And at four years old, I said it. And now uh, straight out of college, I started working with killer whales. So I get to live my that's dream cool. every day. Yeah. So how, like, what goes into training a killer whale? Like, how do you train a killer whale? It's, that just seems like I can't imagine a, a human being conquering a killer it's whale. It's the same way you teach kids to read. So when you're teaching a kid to read, you don't start with words or sentences. You start with the alphabet. You start with small steps and work up to words and then sentences and paragraphs and eventually they can read a book. And it's the same way with a killer whale. You start with those baby steps. And believe it or not, when they're first born, their mothers help us train a lot so they're very observational learners just like you and I are we pick up mannerisms from our parents and things our parents do and killer whales are the same way which is really really cool that's crazy 
It's the best <laughs> job ever. So does any of that apply to like how you're going to train people out here to follow <laughs> well, you your know, orders? Everything that I do at work, I'm not a behaviorist by any means. I'm a marine science major, but everything is based on behavior and behavior modification. So yeah, I analyze killer whale behavior and People exhibit behaviors every second of the day, so hopefully I can pick up on some of those mannerisms and maybe I can get a read on people because I do um, analyze and study behavior. Cool. Just of killer whales, Just not of killer people. Whales. You know, people are complicated figures <laughs> I'll, I'll too. I'll pull out my uh, Criminal Minds TV show that I watch. I'll learn a few things from that. So. There you go, the Criminal Minds strategy. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's, let's imagine it's your first day on Survivor and that day has gone perfectly like everything that you wanted to have happen on your first day happened how did that day go i'm still there at day one so that's good um i think it's just you know not necessarily making alliances right off the bat because you don't really know people so i think my first day i'm just gonna spend time trying to feel people out trying to really get to know people before i commit to people i think that's a mistake some players maybe make in the game is oh I want to work with you and then they find out the type of person they are and then they're like oh crap well now I'm kind of stuck and if I turn on you then I'm screwed but um, so just getting to know people hopefully getting a fire started building a little hut something so if it rains we're not gonna be completely soaking wet right <laughs> um, people walk into Survivor with their own very specific like codes of ethics and their views of the game like they're the people who will lie about everything they're people who nothing is sacred to them and then there are people there are lines like that is sacred to me I'm not gonna lie on that where are you with Survivor is Survivor just a game or do you have lines within the game to me Survivor is definitely a game I mean it's hard when you have outside people that look in and they're like oh my gosh I can't believe she did that or I can't believe she lied but you're here to win a million dollars you're not here to make friends even though that's part of it and the people that know me know me my family knows who I am my friends know who I am so if people don't like how I played the game then whatever you don't have to be my friend but I'm gonna lie and steal and do whatever I need to do to win this game what do you think of the cast I think there's a diverse group of people for sure I mean some of the guys, it looks like they just opened up a men's fitness magazine and they're like, I'll take an order of a tall blonde and a tall brunette. And then one of the guys looks like Richard Simmons. So there's a diverse group of people. I feel like a lot of ex-athletes, but there's also the nerdy people out here too, which hopefully I'll get to align with them. I like the nerds. Cool, go cool, nerds. Cool. Yeah, go nerds, <laughs> always. What's the best advice anyone gave you before you came out here? Be yourself. That's pretty much... The advice I got from everyone is don't try to be anybody else. Just be yourself. That's good advice. Yeah. Just be authentic. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty authentic. There you <laughs> go. Good I'm feeling okay. You know, I'm not on the edge of like a crazy backstabbing adventure, so I'm pretty even keel. I don't know. It's life. I've been probably already in it. <laughs> it's probably, you don't know this. It's probably true. I just don't know it yet. I just don't know yet. This is Angela Perkins, Army veteran, an all-around American badass, according to how she's described by her son. Much like Morgan Ricky, Angela is nothing if not authentic. She's careful with her words, a little slow to warm up at first. But once she's warmed up, she's bursting. Here, an example. 
At the end of every interview, I put each Ghost Islander through one last moment of torture for the purposes of social media. I ask them all to console their future selves in the event of a blindside, and to congratulate their future selves in the event of a win. Here's my back and forth with Angela on that latter point. Angela, I've got great news for you. In the future, you have won Survivor. Congratulate your future self. <laughs> the name of Survivor Kagiyan's immaculate runner-up rings throughout the jungle for anyone within a half-mile radius to hear. If the players were worried about Angela's energy levels beforehand, in this moment at least, Angela Perkins is feeling sufficiently perky. That said, heading into this interview, the penultimate conversation of these preseason sessions, there was definitely some concern among the castaways about Angela's demeanor at Ponderosa. I don't know what to say about her. She's uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. In what way? just her little nicks and crannies um like the other day she was digging a hole with the lid to a bottle cap and filling it into the bottle with the sand and us like right in front of everybody just little things like that like she was eating her papaya skin the weirdest way like see i'm like i noticed these things no i give me these details for sure she was just like just like obnoxiously doing things to get to create attention. I don't know if she'll last long. She was a little cold. You know, I feel like people are pretty smiley out here and welcoming. She's been kind of standoffish the whole time. In what way? She keeps to herself. She doesn't really smile when you walk by. She, you know, sits over in the corner by herself. So a little, a little cold. Okay, so you're not feeling a great vibe. No, okay. I don't want to work with her. She's definitely like a more to herself kind of person. I think that she's going to be somebody who's who might outspeak sometimes and then you're like you're kind of odd I don't know what you're thinking you know she's very to herself so I'm anxious to see what she's like I don't really know I don't think I would I'm not sure if I would align with her just because nothing's there hasn't been like a connection with eye like eye contact or anything like that so as of right now no you're not feeling anything I'm not feeling anything I think she's a little sneaky one you know I think she's definitely going to be looking for that idol but if she's on my tribe I'm getting it way before her yeah yeah you don't trust her though I don't trust her at all If Angela seems untrustworthy, sneaky, or generally closed off now, perhaps it's because she has a lot on her mind, and a lot on the line. The oldest player in the game at 42 years old, which is still a fact that boggles my mind, has sacrificed a lot to be out here on Survivor Ghost Island. It's a sacrifice she made regularly during her career in the Army, and one she never got used to even in those days. Here's Probst on where Angela's head is at coming into the game followed by my conversation with Angela. I really like Angela because she's coming into the game in the middle of a life transition. She was a military career, married for a long time, two kids, and all of that's gone now. She's not in a marriage, she's not in the military, her kids are both out of school and gone. So she's actually entering Survivor midstream of who am I? And that's really appealing. And I admire her for going for coming out here and letting us watch her figure out who she's going to be. That's one of the reasons, Josh, that I really believe the show is so popular is that we vicariously watch through others. But the reason we're able to do it is they're actually letting us watch. They're not just putting on on a surface. They're letting us see them high and low and cry and happy and sad and I mean, Survivor will bring out some of your less attractive qualities. And these guys say, well, yeah, like Michaela said, I'm all of that. I really like those kind of people. Um, So tell me who you are and what you're doing out here. 
Like when you when you yeah. say my main name? Yeah, yeah. Tell me who you are and and what you're doing out here on Survivor. Well, I'm Angela, and I am here basically to win the title of Soul Survivor. What brought you out here? Um, a sense of urgency to find myself, pretty much. I just recently retired from the military. My children are out of high school and college. Um, so yeah, it, it's now time for me. Let's shake it up. Yeah, let's. No better way to shake it up than Survivor. <laughs> right. Are you a fan of the show? I am a fan. For how long? Um, since the beginning. Um, I've watched as much as I could, obviously apart from deployments, but yeah, a huge loyal fan. What is it about Survivor that resonates with you? I think the ability to keep my attention and the twist and turns, a little bit of drama. So yeah. You like the drama. I like the drama. I like the competitiveness. I like the social craziness of it. So yeah, it definitely keeps my mind busy. Yeah. Um, who are some of your favorite players? Um, I would have to say Jenna. Um, she's very strong and witty, a great personality. Um, so she's probably one of my favorites. The one who won Amazon? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a classic. It is, isn't Deep it? cut. I like it. Um, so can you tell me a bit about your military background? Sure. Um, so I retired just over 20 years um, in the Army. Um, I started out in a very aggressive elite organization that... Um, was down south. I came obviously from the north, jumped from airplanes, um, had two big deployments. I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I've done pretty much everything in the military and been with several different organizations, been to several countries from France to Slovakia to Turkey and almost every state. Every yeah. state? Almost every state within the United States, yeah. Oh my God, so you traveled a lot I for, traveled a lot, yes. for work. Dangerous, too, I'm sure. It was dangerous. Um, you know, when you compare that to something like this, it's you can't even, really. Yeah, you, you can. Um, it is dangerous because you are, so to speak, um, fighting for your life. Like you're coming out for a reason. You have a goal, just like we have a goal when we go to war. We train to fight to win a war. Well, same thing essentially here. I've trained, I'm gonna fight, and I'm gonna win. <laughs> You're going to war in a different context. Absolutely. What brought you um, to that lifestyle to begin with? Um, well, I was pretty much, um, I'm from a really quiet background. My parents are very introverted and easy, very easy going. And then they have this spontaneous, wild, crazy child. And I just wasn't being fulfilled. I, I wanted more and that has carried throughout my entire life. I've always dug for more. I have a great job and I had a bachelor's, but it wasn't enough, it didn't fulfill me. So then I went and got my master's. And oh, by the way, I finished my master's while I was deployed because deployment wasn't a food enough. I needed something else with my mind. So I got online during the down, down times when we weren't you know, traveling the roads of Afghanistan and finished my master's degree. So yeah, um, that's exactly what brought me, my busy mind and my um, feeling of always needing to um, get the next adventure is what pushed me to the military. I've got to I got a chance to read your bio, uh, and you talk about being a mobilized bomb. What is what does that mean? Uh, my first deployment, I deployed to Iraq. Um, so my capacity has been very versatile within the military too. Weird because I've shifted in so many roles because not because my job or my training has shifted, but somebody higher up leadership saw different qualities and felt that I could fit in all these weird 
positions. Different roles. Yeah, these different <laughs> roles that don't even combine. So I went from enlisted, um, uh, then I went to to become an officer. So when I retired, I retired as a captain. Wow. But I, when I was enlisted, yeah, when I enlisted, I went all the way up to E8. So there was only one more rank that I could have achieved in the enlisted. So I went all the way through those ranks. So when I deployed the first time, I was in transportation and logistics. So we transported bulk petroleum fuel, JP8 fuel, from Kuwait all the way to Syria. So essentially, we were a, a traveling t- bomb. Like, and we got hit with IEDs, and we got you know ambushed. We got shot at, and none of that, none of that, even surprised me or, or shocked me or whatever. We just kept going. So. Yeah, that's crazy. It's awesome. It was. It was <laughs> I mean, experience of a lifetime. I don't regret anything. Um, the hardest thing was being away from my family. Of it's kind of weird that I got used to the dry weather, the sandstorms, the not eating. <clears throat> excuse me, our supply lines getting hit, um, being attacked. That more really weird that I got used to watching people get shot at and get killed. I never got used to the fact of um, being away from my loved ones. Yeah, that was the hardest part mentally and physically yeah so is that the hardest part of this too do you expect absolutely it is um i'm definitely in a different role now as a parent um my daughter is in her senior year of college and my son just completed high school and is going into college right now is their downtime this is when i get the time with them yeah and i have elected to be intimate with survivor versus my kids for this very short period of time so it's definitely, once again, a huge sacrifice on their part, but they absolutely know and support what I'm doing. Yeah, what do they think about all this? Are they Survivor fans too? Um, They are. They know the show. They're not... Super um, fans. They're not super fans. They don't know <clears throat> Jenna from the Amazon. They don't. My daughter thinks it's completely weird and she would never do this. She's, again, like my parents, she's introverted and quiet and pretty much satisfied. My son um, thinks it's a badass and you know, that would be definitely his a label for it. He, he thinks I'm a badass, I'm really not, but he would describe me to his friends as, yeah, don't fuck with my mom. She's an American <laughs> badass, dude. Like she will kick your ass. And his friends will say, your mom is hot. He's like, dude, you better back off. I'm <laughs> certain she'll kick your ass. So yeah, my son's super pumped. That's cool, that's awesome. Um, so. If this all goes well, like your first day in the game, let's just like transport to there, uh, and it's your perfect day, like the first day that you get to play Survivor just goes exactly the way that you wanted it to go. How does that day go? What is that first perfect day like for you in your mind? The first perfect day for me would be um, an equally dispersed tribe. Not all males, not all females, uh, not um, gender equality and age that would be perfect because then I do have a bunch of dynamics um, to play with and go with. Um, I tend to struggle when it's all females just because I am a man's kind of lady just because of my background with the military. Typically, I'm there's only one or two of us females and I'm isolated a little bit more. I have been because I have been such a higher rank than the other ones. So I kind of been on my own and relied on males to make that bond with. So my my perfect day on the beach would just to see that it's evenly dispersed so I would have no disadvantage, self-disadvantage, not show disadvantage or anything else. But a more of a struggle with me would be just not disbursement of, you know, the genders and age. 
Yeah, well, one of the things that just like hearing you talk about your career that struck me as interesting is that like you're kind of like a utility player, right? Like you're capable of doing a lot of different things. Do you think that that's something that, you know, benefits you in a game where you're presumably going up against people from very different walks of life? Like, do you feel like you can plug and play with a lot of different types of people? I absolutely definitely think I can plug and play with a lot of different people and I do it every single day and I've, I've had to do that within the military. I went from um, local Iraqis to Afghans to, to young children um, to you know doing humanitarian missions up in Syria and then it, it just carries over to my home life. I have a daughter that's 21 that's quiet and a son that's 18 that's outrageous and still seem to be able to fit in. I may not be the best at everything but I'll try it and I'm, I'm okay at it. I, I go snowboarding and my son's friends and my son like that shit. Yeah she's gonna fall a million times and I'm gonna push snow up in her face when her ass is down but she's badass like she's trying it I jump from planes and they watch me skydive are you scared hell yeah I'm scared but guess what I'm doing it so yeah just taking the chance and letting them know that I'm we're on the same playing field and we can relate I definitely think I have an advantage uh idols advantages all of that stuff are your eyes open are your eyes peeled do you think that you've got a leg up in terms of finding those things I may not have a leg up finding them, but I am definitely situational aware and my head is always on a swivel. And I guess, again, that's because of my background. You know, you're always looking out for your back. You got to see what's going on. Absolutely. So, yeah, my head is definitely always on a swivel watching for the next advantage, watching, you know, for my outlet. Where's my outs? I want to make sure that if I get trapped, I have an out. People come into Survivor with like very different codes of ethics. You know, there are people who are willing to lie, cheat and steal, you know, swear on anything as long as it gets them further in the game. Then there are people who very much have their lines, are not willing to go that far. Where are you with Survivor? Is Survivor just a game to you or are there lines within Survivor for you? Survivor's definitely just a game. Um, Survivor doesn't change who I am. I am who I am inside and out. Um, I'm coming into this game knowing I'm going to be lied to. And guess what? You bet your ass I'm going to lie if that's going to take me to the next move. Absolutely. It doesn't change me ethically or morally. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go home and I'm this vindictive or I'm this changed person. I'm not going to change tremendously or my values over the next 39 days. Yeah, you know who you are. I know who I am, and that's that's what's important. Um, What's the best advice anyone gave you before you came out here? The best advice... Well, I'll start out with the everybody but one advice is, Angela, don't be yourself. You have to tone that shit down. <laughs> my my parent, my mom said when I first told her about this, she's like, oh, it's crazy. She's It's 39 days, and so I guess I'll see you in a week. Fuck. Thanks for the confidence, Mom. She's like, no, Angela, it's not that. It's just your personality is so strong and you're so controlling that, babe, I, I, don't, I don't know that you can make it in that. You know, physically, yes. When I started this process, again, my son would say, oh, why? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your work's vacation? Why are you going to sacrifice being away from us just to be voted off first? Well, thanks for the confidence. Why? Not because I don't think you can make it because you're a badass and you can't tone that shit down. Like, mom, they're going to see that. They're going to see that as a threat and vote you down. So all but one person in my life that knows about this has told me, Angela, you have to tone it down. You have to understand yourself and be able to control that and one person one person in my life said no when you get chaotic when you have to try to control you be you there is a reason being you is why you were chosen so if you stay true to yourself and play the game yeah yeah, maybe you might tone it down or just be aware of when 
you can do 100% and when you should be doing 90, you're good. But there's a reason they chose you. Be you. Have fun and enjoy. No regrets. Don't do I should have, could have, would have. Who wants to go home and say, strategically, I should have done this or I wish I would have done that. You have 39 days to do that. It, it seems like a long time, but it's not. It's not a long time. No regrets. Go in, be you, and do what you got to do to win the game. Awesome. I love it. We go from the oldest player in the game to the youngest player in the game. Michael Yerger, real estate agent and model, based in Los Angeles by way of Tennessee. Last season, when I asked the heroes, healers, and hustlers to give me their impressions of J.P. Hilsebeck, very few people were close to accurately assessing the Los Angeles firefighter. This season, it's a similar story for Michael, if not quite as extreme in things like that. Michael is an enigma to most of his fellow Ghost Islanders, to the point that some of them have completely overlooked his existence. Honestly, if there's one person who I feel just like I don't know, it's him. He's been question mark. You don't have a great read on that that guy. Um, he's one of the few people here I, I don't think I've just seen a lot of for some reason. I haven't observed him much. Um, he's quiet and just seems like he's assessing. He looks like a salt of the earth, maybe New Jersey kind of blue-collar, hard-working guy. I don't remember this guy. I haven't seen him interact with the others much, but I'll be curious to find out. That guy. I can't get a read on that guy. I keep forgetting he's here, actually. I feel like he kind of flies under the radar, and I forget about him, and then I see him every few days, and he, he pops up again. But I can't get a read on him. That's kind of scary in its own way, right? If there's somebody who's just slipping under your Maybe radar. Maybe just the model type, though, that doesn't know what he's doing here, just hanging out. But yeah, I can't get a read on that guy. Some of the people out here in Fiji feel considerably more confident in their reads on Michael. He's another one, a juice head. A juice head? A juice head. What does he's that even like, mean? He's like so about himself. And like, okay. Yeah, I'm totally hot. Like, he, I see that from him. But I think, I think with him, I can give him direction and he'll follow it. He, he may not play so hard, you know? He may play it safe. That guy, oh my God. He, first time I saw him, he like grabbed my arm, like very, yeah, very flirtatious. So flirtatious that I thought it was my boyfriend. Okay. So I'm like, oh shit, hold on, wait, whoop, rewind. Yeah, super flirtatious, knows he looks good, um, stares at me unbelievably. So probably wants or thinks he's working his charm, but I'm, I mean, you're learning from the pro, so I know what you're doing. So I think he's going to be probably taken out early just because he thinks he's got it all, and he really doesn't. He's too hot. Okay. Um, I, I think it was, uh, was it Nick that said in his season, there's hot and there's cute, and I don't trust hot. And so I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, which isn't very far because he's huge. That was LJ, but LJ. Yes. This is the Superman guy. So the other guy was Clark Kent. This is actual Superman. And, um, yeah, again, it's just a uh, young kid, looks like he's can lift a house. Um, I can't put a, 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 f a finger on whether or not he is uh, intelligent or kind of do-do-do, and if he's a man of honor or doesn't really care, but I actually think I just recently saw a tattoo on him that said, on my honor, so maybe honor is his game. Maybe he's a Marine. I don't know. Something like that. Wouldn't it be crazy if you were like the biggest lying scumbag and you got a tattoo right before Survivor? I said, said he did, and you want to know something else about him? No, I, I take that back. He is a man of honor. 
Another guy I'm actually planning on exploiting. Right before we were having dinner the other night, he, he put his head down, he did a quick little prayer. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I'm so taking advantage of that. So, on my honor, plus the quick prayer. Yeah, this kid seems pretty straightforward, but if he has me fooled, I'll give him my vote today <laughs> because I'm convinced that this kid is straight shooter. Love him. He's also one of those like male model, like fitness magazine guys, but he just seems like he has those Southern charm elements. Like he seems like he's super polite and he's like, has like a little coloring book that he colors in. Something about that like little kid in him. I like. Oh, Morgan, if only you knew. If only anybody knew that Michael Yerger, who plans to tell everyone that he's 23 years old, is actually the youngest member of the cast by a good margin at 18 years old. Based on how he lives his life in the outside world, maintaining the illusion shouldn't be much of an issue. My interview with Survivor's newest teen sensation, the final castaway interview of the preseason, coming right after this take from Probst. He lives his life as a 23-year-old. That is not... We're not saying sometimes he buys beer. He lives his life in his career. Nobody ages up. Most, mostly they go, no, I'm actually only 32. And then you look on their Facebook page and they're 70. I am impressed going in because Michael carries himself, for the most part, not like an 18-year-old. I don't think anybody's going to think he's 18. He's physically you know, strong. He's a good-looking guy. He's super likable. The only thing I think that would concern me for Michael is that he is, though, only 18. You can't have the maturity of a 23-year-old when you're 18. You confront like you do, and maybe you're ahead of the game a little, but he is an 18-year-old kid, and I'm curious how that's going to go. I could see him teaming up with Brendan right away and, you know, off to the races. That'd be a great duo. Yeah. For, uh, for a guy like Mike, let's say the merge arrives, and there's a feast, and there's some vino. There's a, a beer or two in the mix. Can he touch that stuff as an 18-year-old out here in Fiji? No, but he has a plan. He's going to tell people that he doesn't drink because he has... This is what I heard. Yeah. What I heard is that he has a story for as, how he's going to handle that. Something about family issues, and he just doesn't like to be around alcohol. So, who are you and what are you doing out here? Uh, my name is Michael Yerger. I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I live in L.A. I've lived there for just about a year now. Um, and I've watched the show since I was eight years old, so it's kind of been a ten-year accumulation of fandom that's finally come into light. So this must be pretty surreal, then, to satisfy that eight-year-old Michael's dream. Exactly, man. Yeah, I've been telling my mom, you know, since that time, you know, I'm going to apply as soon as I can. Um, And I didn't think I stood a chance playing at 18, because, you know, at that point, they had never had somebody um, up until Will, you know, he was the first, and... Um, You're here to complete Will's mission. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to be the first or, you know, one of the youngest players. I want to be the youngest winner, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, tell me about getting on to the show then because, sure. you know, you are so young. Right. Uh, and I think that, as you noted, it is pretty rare. Um, so what is it in you you think that they saw that's like, let's take a shot on this guy? Well, I mean, I think their worry for having young players on the show is the lack of life experience. And I'm not saying that I have a lot because I am 18. But, you know, I did. I graduated high school a year early. I uh, moved out on my own the day I turned 18. And I've, you know, I work in the 
one of the craziest real estate markets in the world, you know, in Los Angeles. So um, regardless, you know, to me, age is a number. It's based on experience. And, you know, yeah, I'm young, but I have had, you know, more than most people my age. And I do think that going into the game with that, um, that, you know, that'll make all the difference with, with these people who have, you know, had more time on this earth. Yeah. So, so moving out to LA, what was the impetus for that? I was all based on real estate. Uh, my uncle does it up in West Vancouver in Canada. Um, and he, he kind of, you know, brought me into the industry and, and taught me how it works and, you know, really motivated me. And, and it, you know, was an instant click for me. I, I really um, vibed with the industry well, and I've, you know, uh, become accustomed to it very quickly and I'm really enjoying it. So yeah. that was the main motivation. For me. Do you like LA? Love it. Yeah. I mean, you traffic. Uh, I, you know, I really, I stay out of a lot of the traffic, which is good. I don't have to, you know, go north or south or make long commutes like most, um, which I'm very thankful for. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, I know, you know, obviously yeah. um, it, it can be brutal, but yeah. yeah, that, that's not been too bad. So tell me about, um, what it is about Survivor that really clicked with you from that young age sure. until, you know, getting out here now, 10 years later. Right. I mean, it, it, kids love games, you know? So, um, to me back then, obviously I didn't understand Survivor like I do now, um, but to me, it was just fun. It was the only thing on TV like it. And, you know, games and TV kind of click well with kids. And I think that's why there's such a large viewing, obviously, from adults, but kids um, as well. So growing up in that and, you know, seeing how the game has progressed and all that, it's just been, you know, a dream of mine to play the ultimate game ever. So. Um, what do you think the most recent 18-year-old to play Survivor, Will Wall, did right? And what did he do wrong? Um... I think, <laughs> I think he did a lot wrong, and you know I I'm sure he's a great guy, but I feel like you know, kind of coming into the game just saying, hey, look at me, I'm the high schooler, you know, that kind of, I don't know, that put a damper on his game, you know, in my perspective, uh, right, you know, right at the very beginning, um, because it does kill credibility, it puts you on a completely different ground. Um, socially with other people just just because it's I mean and, and it's not a bad the thing kid. it's just right it, it's a natural human nature to right. think that way and you know I obviously don't tell my age at all in, in my real life so I, I certainly wouldn't do it in this game you but don't in your real life what do you tell people I, I completely avoid the subject and if I do I'm 23 you yeah know? And, and that's uh, again bringing back to why I'm on the show I, I believe that you know they loved the whole um, fact that I, I don't live like an 18 year old and then I'm coming on to show saying, hey, I'm going to lie, you know, whatever. It's that in my real day, you, you know, day to day life, I lie about my age and I, you know, do it well and I've done it for a long time. So it's going to be hard to do that now after this, that magic yeah. trick is going to go away. Yeah, you know, people, sure <laughs> people are going to know who you are. Yeah, I know. And that, that was kind of my only worry coming into the show. Um, but, you know, it, it'll uh, hopefully I'll, you know, protrude the, um, you know, the, the personality that I'm hoping to on the show. So everybody will see, you know, yeah, he's 18, but you know, he doesn't act like it and he certainly doesn't work like it. So, so it's not even a question for you. This is not something you're bringing up uh, with your Correct. fellow castaways. Yep. That's I've said it from the start and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I'm 23 on the show. Um, so who's some, who are some of your favorite players? Like who are some of the players in survivor that you would like to emulate out here? Uh, definitely Malcolm, Malcolm Freeberg. He's one of my all time favorites. Um, I hey, think I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you've oh, he's ha great. had some chats with him. Hopefully cool, one yeah. day you will as well. I hope so too, man. He's a, he's a great player. Um, and you know, it, obviously it's hopeful to say I'd play the game, anything like him. Um, but, but yeah, I, I really admire his gameplay. I love Denise. Um, she played in it 
just an impeccable game in my opinion, start to finish. And they were the duo, you know, on that season. Um, I mean, there's so many players I love, you know, if for different reasons. I mean, love or hate Russell, he's an amazing player. Not so much at the end, but, right. you know, he to makes the game there. interesting. Exactly. So, I mean, everybody loves different players for different reasons, whether they're entertaining, great players, you know, super physically adept, you know, whatever it is. The Malcolm and Denise thing, you know, yeah. is, I love those two. Uh, I, I love both of them as well. And one of the things that's great about them is that yeah. they're an unlikely pair. Right. Uh, nobody really suspects that they're going to be two people that are going to be working together. Sure. Is that something that you're looking for out here? Totally. I am. You know, I came into the game, you know, thinking you know in a weird way I want to have that mama figure you know what I mean because again like you said nobody suspects it everybody suspects the girls to get along the bros to bro down whatever you want to call it but those maybe unsuspecting alliances are the ones that not only can be powerful but uh but you know really kind of fly under the radar and aren't as much of a threat um so I'm totally looking for that I don't know you know if this thus far into the game I've kind of found somebody I, I'm already like you know what that's the one but it's just going to be a matter of feeling everybody out and seeing what works if it goes perfectly how does sure. the first day go for you you know if everything goes exactly right. according to plan how does day one play out for you I mean yeah we all dream how our perfect game would work and you know I, I feel like I'm prepared for the not so perfect day but um, you know if it were up to me I think it would be great you know camaraderie between the the tribe that I'm on um, because that's vital at the start of the game you know getting you know good challenges down a good camp life set up um, good energy uh, we all know these things um, so those would definitely be first you know and and obviously my strategy going in, into the game is not to be the guy that says you know what here's this uh, you know alliance we're gonna make whatever it's not ever really a smart move because it's a threat if you're the one strategizing right at, you know at the beginning so I'm not going to do that but I am going to keep up with the traffic you know I'm going to follow along and if you know if I find something solid on the first day then more power to us cool um what are your thoughts on idols advantages everything are you going to be looking aggressively looking a little bit like what are your thoughts on them just in the context of survivor sure I mean as a huge fan I am you know I cannot wait to, to play one, to find one, to, you know, to live the experience and make great moves with them. Because a lot of people get them and don't know what the hell to do with them. And, you know, that could be me. But I feel like if if I were, you know, uh, in possession of one, I'd know what to do with it. And, um, and yeah, I'm going to look for one. But, you know, you also got to be smart with the, you know, timing and uh, the places you look, how long you look, you know, who you look with, you know, if you look at all. So, you know, all those things considered, I will, you know, be on the search and, you uh, be keeping a keen eye how do you feel about your uh, your ability in the survival aspect of this like the living off the land sure. and building shelter and all that you yeah. feel you feel good I, I feel like it's a second nature to me cool. and, and I don't mean to be you know cocky about it but um, but I am an Eagle Scout I've done Boy Scouts for eight years um, you know had a lot of you know hands-on outdoor experience and um, and you know I'm underestimating things for sure the hunger definitely I think is gonna be something I, I'm not accustomed to because you know there's not been a day in my life where I've not been able to open the cabinet or the right. the pantry or the fridge or reality whatever. check coming your way, my exactly, friend. <laughs> right, exactly. So I've mentally prepared for that, but um, just as far as dealing with the heat and the bugs and the sweat and all that stuff, you know, I'm used to it, so I'm not worried. People come into Survivor with their different codes of ethics, right? Like sure. there are people who come in and they are willing to lie, cheat, and steal, right. no matter what. They're willing to do whatever they have to do. Um, there are people who will not do stuff like that. There are yeah. people who will play very firmly inside of their box. What is Survivor to you in that regard? Is Survivor just a game or are there lines that you're not willing to cross? 
Um, there, there are definitely lines I'm not willing to cross, and I hope it's that way for everybody. But that being said, you know, it is a game. I'm here to play it, and you know, uh, I think that everybody can respect the game enough to let themselves go and and play the game hard. And you know, um, it's always a theme on each season. You know that people maybe don't play as hard as they want, or you know, if they come back, they have permission or whatever. You know, I I don't feel like I need permission in my life. I'm I'm here to play. I'm here to lie, cheat, steal, backstab, blindside, whatever. That's the name of the game. That's why I love it. That's why I'm here. And you know, um, the people that aren't gonna play that way, I don't know why they are. Yeah. So and you're looking forward to bulldozing those people. Yes, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But you know, pride comes before the fall. Absolutely. So, we'll um, so in that in that regard, I'd love to know how you are as a loser. Like sure. you know, if you get blindsided, and right. it's just like an objectively excellent move, and you've been completely of taken off by right. surprise. Are you the kind of person that can you know? Does game respect game, or are you gonna like wallow in the misery for a game while? Game respects game, 100%. I'm I've always been a good sport. I've played you know football. I've done taekwondo and. Um, stuff like that my entire life. I always respect a good player. If somebody beats me, you know, good for them. Um, they, they played harder than I did and uh, beat me to it. So um, definitely no bitterness or hurt feelings from me. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to lie. It'll still suck. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll still be crying in bed one night because I got blindsided and didn't make the move I should have. So, yeah. Uh, what's the best advice you received before you came out here from anybody? Uh, you know, be yourself. Um, obviously, I think that's that's the main theme of the game too. You don't want to come on here and try to be somebody. Um, you know, because be yourself gonna, plus five years. Plus five years. Yeah. Well. Well. And you know, that's what's so easy for me, and maybe not easy, but that's what you're used to. I, I'm used to. Yeah. So it'll be, um, you know. The 18-year-old will definitely come out at times. It does in my daily life. But for the most part, I'm really not worried about that just because I feel like I do act older, um, you know, at 18 than, than I... What does that would. mean for the 18-year-old to come out? What do you mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, when you say the 18-year-old sometimes comes out of well, yeah, I mean, real life? The goofiness, the uh, immaturity to a certain I'm 32. extent. 32. You're not going to get any less sure, goofy. Sure. Like, I'm just warning you. Right. Well, and, and <laughs> it I, might you get know, worse. I hope not. Yeah. Because, you know, goofiness, that's what makes life fun sometimes. So, yeah. you know, I hope that doesn't fade. But um, when you're trying to put forth a, a personality or, or, you know, act a certain way, you know, it, it can slip out sometimes. Totally. The teenager. The veteran. The animal trainer. The pirate. The final four Ghost Islanders are officially on the map. The final four players ticking closer and closer to the first one out time bomb. You know, I had, uh, last night I had a dream and I woke up to it and I was like, holy shit, I'm like, this is like what I'm supposed to do in life. Like, <laughs> there's a reason I'm here. There's a reason they came to Port Canaveral where I work. Out of all places in Florida, why would you choose Port Canaveral? You know, it's just a little fishing village town. but. There's a reason I'm here, and I'm not going home the first day. I would be devastated, you know? It would be horrible. Even though Ponderosa is nice, and that's probably where we're going afterwards, but there's no way I'm going home the first day. Uh, you know, that, that really would be hard. Um, you know, just because every day or every few hours I pinch myself, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I'm really here. You know, I'm really playing the game. And that's something that, you know, myself and I'm sure all of us have dreamed about, you know, for a long time. So the fact that it's really here um, and, and dreams could get cut so short, I mean, and this is a known thing, you know, it would really suck. So I'm, I'm not not going to lie, but I'm still, you know, just thrilled that even this experience thus far is, has even come. So 
Um, I would be saddened and probably pissed off in the beginning, but then um, to take it all in and just for the opportunity to be here, like it's amazing. They they chose you for a reason. Obviously, you can compete, and sometimes we go home. And it's not our choice. It's not by our actions, especially the first person off. Yeah. You don't get a lot of time to give that first impression. So you have to hit the ground running, just like jumping and you're getting out of an airplane and, or you're rappelling. You have to hit that shit running. You don't have time to lay down and think about which route we're going to take. You have to do it. So essentially, sometimes it's out of, a lot of times it's out of your control. But you know what? I made it. So it's just, that in itself is pretty amazing. I'm sure I won't feel that the first week or however long I'm here and then I go home. But just to get that and yeah. No one wants to be the first person voted out. So if I'm on the chopping block, I will do whatever I need to. Hopefully I'm not gonna be the person that like throws all the rice in the fire, but I'm not saying You're I'm not above me. it. I'm not above <laughs> it. No, you, no one wants to go home first. You come out here and you are thinking about playing this game for, for me for 18 years. Like how devastating would it be to, oh, just, I hope my team wins. <laughs> and with that, show's over. That's it. Pack it up, folks. We are done. Ah, great talking with you all. Super fun to bring first one out back. And um, we'll see you again next season, I think. Uh, okay, bye. Wait, you're still here? Why? What could you possibly... All right. All right. Of course, my bad. Totally forgot. You're here for the B-sides from my interview with executive producer Matt Van Wagnen. Yes, that's totally it. Okay, well, let's get into it really quick because I have to get going for lunch. The pizza's not going to eat itself. Uh, here we go. First up with Van Wagnen, uh, here are his thoughts on how he feels Survivor Game Changers might influence the gameplay of the Ghost Islanders this season. And this is kind of, you know, a little bit fourth wall thing, but I am curious because... Um, these people uh, left the United States after just watching season 34. Um, I know it's a little bit weird sometimes to track this stuff, but they just watched Sarah Lucina play the game. And I think that because of that, you're going to see a more aggressive style. I think very often you see people who just watched who won, and you'll see more than one person modeling themselves after, after Sarah, therefore really modeling themselves after Tony. Here's another one for you. An ambiguous statement on something, or someone, we might see this season on Ghost Island. John Cochran returned for Game Changers. Wasn't this, that great? This is a season where curses are being reversed and you're calling upon Survivor history. Any special guest stars in the making? Is Tony going to emerge from the ground at Ghost Island? I'm not going to tell you that. I gotta wait. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's, look at the expression on your face. It's big. I, I can't. I it's don't, huge, here's one the, might here's, say. Here's the thing. I don't want to confirm or deny anything because what I want you to do and what I want fans to do is let their imaginations run wild on all the different things that, that, that could be out there. And okay, cool. So Return of the Spy Bunker confirmed. 100%. <laughs> Amazing. And as the final number in this encore... Here's a slice of my conversation with Van Wagnen about Donathan Hurley, which quickly becomes the saddest news of the preseason. I think Donathan is a really interesting guy. I just think sometimes when you're talking about... Initial votes are different than votes on day nine. Initial votes are based on like a, 
a lot of times like just people just fitting in and usually their their truths are exposed and donathan's one of those guys that um who knows maybe he's gonna walk in you know and it'll be like a fish to water and he'll be a social butterfly and everyone will love him but he's very different from a lot of people there he's from a different part of the country He's just got a, the way he carries himself is very different. I mean, I absolutely love him. If you haven't seen, like, I'm hoping somewhere in a behind the scenes video, we get to see, you get to see footage of him dancing as a young kid because it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my whole life. But he's You're not bringing the Mecca back specifically oh, for him? Oh, well, that's a low blow. Why is that's that a low blow? I love the Mecca. Are you surprised that I love the Mecca? You love the Mecca? I love the Mecca. Okay. Earl was pretty good. Reverse the, the curse. Bring the Mecca back. <laughs> okay. okay. This will be one spoiler. The Meke is not coming back. How about that? I will, I will let you know that much. There you go. Closing out with the big scoop, the heartbreaker. No Meke in Ghost Island. Survivors, Fiji fidelity notwithstanding. So you heard it here first, folks. And with that, I'm out. Actually out. Definitely done. So long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. Uh, no, seriously. Bye. That's it. That's it. Legitimately, nothing else to see here. Nothing else going on. Ah! Frustrated! Ah, right. That. Was kind of hoping you had forgotten about that. I guess time fades away for all of us eventually. Even for Ghost Zero. Look, seriously, if you're just in this for the cast previews, feel free to check out now. We're actually done with those. Uh, Maybe come back for the final chapter if you want to know more about the first one out. But if you're ready to join me on a journey for an intimate look at one of the most memorable and mortifying experiences of my life, that story, the story of Ghost Zero, is coming next on First One Out. So help us all. First One Out, Ghost Zero, is produced, written, and hosted by Josh Wigler. That's me! It's a collaboration between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob Has a Podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor. He is also a robot. Ghost Drops, the theme of this podcast, is composed by Josh and Ben Wigler, arranged by Nick Campbell, and performed by The Sun and the Room. Guitar interludes by Ben Wigler. Go to THR.com slash Survivor for more Ghost Island coverage. Survivor returns February 28th, and Ghost Zero concludes March 1st. Next time on First One Out. All right. I am at Ghost Island. Everywhere you look, there is an idol. There is an idol. We're going to make some fire. We expect you to deliver. I have to meet a certain level. Yes. Get on your knees, Wiggler. I don't think that I've ever been more anxious in my entire life than I am right now. Serious Indiana Jones vibes as you are entering Ghost Island. Maybe it is just Ghost Island, like, playing tricks. And it's something that was missed earlier. Or maybe, just maybe, the ghost spread. Oh,